It's time once again to listen to the Dubfud, and we will do so together. WFOD. My name is Mike. I am joined by my good friend, the king of pranks, the albino alligator popcorn bitch, Mr. Travis Hulse. Hello. Travis, coming up after the break, we are going to talk to author Chuck Tingle. Chuck Tingle is going to be on the program. Looking forward to that. Chuck Tingle, Travis, has a, has a big internet following, so I'm expecting th- a, like a million downloads for this. One. You think that man, you think that's that man's real name? Chuck Tingle? No, no, it's a, a fake name, Travis. He he has a pen name, and I'll, I'll tell you, fun fact, uh, I interviewed Chuck Tingle for our podcast, and I felt it necessary to tell him, hey, Chuck, man, if you don't want to be on video, that's fine, because he, he's wearing a bag on his head, Travis. Right, and uh, sunglasses. Chuck Tingle wears a bag on his head uh, that says, love is real, a pink bag. And I thought, well... I don't want this man just to wear this bag on his head for me if I'm not going to use the video for anything. So I wanted to give him the option, Travis. I just wanted to say, hey, man, if you don't want to wear that bag, no skin off my back. But he wanted to wear it. He said, uh, no, I'm going to keep it on. Oh, okay. he's, like, he's like Batman, where uh, Batman is the uh, identity and, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne is the mask he wears wore the fucking bag the whole time it, it was great Travis. i'm looking forward to talking to chuck i guess we already talked to chuck but you know whatever uh guys uh, travis do you remember the 1987 movie Spaceballs? of course i do Spaceballs is one of the all-time classics and one of my all-time favorites now travis let me ask you this do you remember what the bad guys were after in Spaceballs? like what they were doing they're after the air yeah, they were. I have a clip of uh, Spaceballs the movie, Travis. Suck, 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 yeah, yeah. suck. Metamorphosis completed, sir. Spaceball one has now become. Mega Maid. Good. Remarkable. Now, commence operation Vacu Suck. Now, Travis, I play you that clip to play you this clip. And a $1.2 billion deal for giant vacuum cleaners. The Biden administration is pouring that money into new projects that aim to suck carbon out of the air. The Energy <laughs> Department says the funds will go to two demonstration projects in Texas and Louisiana. They will use chemicals to capture carbon dioxide from the air and then store it underground or use it in industrial materials like cement. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm said the initiative will remove more than 2 million tons of carbon dioxide annually. But critics call the approach extravagant because of the high cost of current air capture technology. And the process itself consumes large amounts of energy. 
<laughs> you know, you know what else consumes carbon dioxide and doesn't cost one point two billion dollars? Trees. Plant a fucking tree. <laughs> We're gonna store it underground, Travis. Yeah, best place for it, right? Just like uh, store carbon dioxide underground. Shove it under the mattress, Travis. No harm, no foul. Just get it down there under the dirt and just hope nobody ever digs. That's like some weird reverse idiocracy shit, right? Like we're going to spend $1.2 billion on industrial vacuums to suck the poison out of the air. Like what the fuck is our government doing? I can guess what the combination on a lot of their luggage is, Travis. Oh, guaranteed. Travis, I don't know if you know this about me. It's a little known fact that I love music lawsuits. Oh, yeah. They're among my favorite things. And uh, the other day, my wife and I, we went to go see Barbie in the, in the theater, Travis. Well, how was it? Travis, I'll tell you what. Had a good time at Barbie. Good. I'm excited to see it. It was fun. It was a good yeah. time. It was like $4 movie day. And I was like, you oh, know that's what? right. Yeah. Let's fucking go see Barbie. And she didn't want to see Oppenheimer. Barbie was on the big screen, Travis. Ah, gotcha. Still playing Barbie on that big screen. Still raking in the cash. When we were leaving, there was a question regarding the soundtrack that we went to Spotify to solve. I think it was about whether they somehow utilized the Aqua Barbie Girl song, which they did. They remixed it into a, a rap number with uh, Nicki Minaj. Yeah, that'd be a problem if they didn't use that song, right? Yeah, yeah. And so then after that, you know, once you have it on, might as well just play it. That Sam Smith gentleman came on. You remember Sam Smith, Travis? He's the one that dressed up like the devil, but he's a big fat guy. Yeah, I do. He has a song on the Barbie album. And as soon as I heard it, I said, oh, no, Sam Smith. We're going to get you on the dub fod. <laughs> Travis, listen to this and tell me if you hear what I hear. Do you hear it, Travis? I hear something. I don't know what I hear, but I hear it. There it is. You hear it? Yeah, I hear it. It's almost identical, isn't it? Do the Sam Smith again. Is that enough? Ah. Here's both of them together. Ah. It's pretty close, Travis. Indecipherable. Is that that enough, though? It's not very much. It's just a little tad. But that's pretty iconic, I would say, Travis. Iconic. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I think there's a case there, and I think we should, uh, I don't know, who would we reach out to? I, I don't know. Do 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 we call the surviving members of Queen? I mean, they're putting their music on the, the Yodo player, Travis. They probably need money. Yeah, they're obviously looking for cash if, that's, if they're putting it on uh, children's toys. Travis, I have... Uh, one more thing that I want to get to before we talk to uh, author Chuck Tingle, which I'm Hit very me. excited about, Travis. Uh, somebody sent me a Slate article. Which one's Slate? Is Slate opinion articles? What is Slate? Is that blogger uh, people? Everything has changed now, right? So even things that used to have uh, 
a bit of legitimacy. They're firing all of their actual uh, writers and just like having people write listicles and clickbait articles. Yeah. So I don't know if I don't know if Slate has fallen into that category like Screen Rant has and and so many others. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm not sure what the current state of Slate is. So Slate says that they did investigative journalism to determine that everybody at Trader Joe's just fucks each other. Travis, which oh, I really I think I kind of assumed, but they interviewed a lot of former Trader Joe's employees, all of which says, oh, yeah, it was a fuck fest in there. Like actually in there, or they were just like pairing off randomly. They, they just all paired off. They, they, they all went home together. There was thruples, Travis. They planned their lunch breaks together so that they could go fuck together on their lunch breaks. I mean, I, I could see that, like, especially this current day and age, right? Like everything's like highly sexualized for a certain demographic. And it's just kind of like very super casual with your 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 Tinders and, 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 and all of your dating apps where people are just trying to hook up. Because if you jump back to even when I was working uh, for the largest retailer in the world, Walmart, in the 1990s, that was happening there, too, with your late teenager, early 20-year-old uh, employees, where it was just kind of like everybody just kind of took turns. But it's like, ah, oh, these people are together this week. These people are together next week. So I could see now in this supercharged era of, of, of easy sex that, that that would be the case. Do you think it's because they're all wearing Hawaiian shirts? There's like an aphrodisiac. Is like we all look like dorks. Well, listen, just... I've never been into Trader Joe's, so I don't know what the wardrobe is. Um... Well, the, this article, Travis, I, I, I hate to say that a slate article would be my pick of the week travis but this this slate <laughs> article travis it read like a romance novel they used all really? of the words they could use you know like uh and i i have a couple of ai drunk just like reading parts of the slate article if you want to hear them I do. Were these all anonymous sources or did they actually say, hey, yeah, yeah, that all of their names were changed. Oh, yeah. OK, but I got either see. everyone at Trader Joe's wants to fuck me or everyone at Trader Joe's is fucking each other. But something sexual is definitely going on there. He's he doesn't sound right yet. It really is missing something. It's it, like the I mean, there's an essence of drunk something. in there, but it's it's weird. Referring right. to Trader Joe's as the single most incestuous company he ever worked for, he described his first few months there as a sort of carnal mayhem. We worked late shifts and everyone lived nearby. Carnal mayhem, Travis. Sounds like a guy has got to get a job at Trader Joe's. <laughs> I mean, even if it's just part time, right? If you're a single guy and you're looking for love. Get a Even if you're not right, like shows. if you're looking for a cover uh, and you're in a relationship, you'd be like, hey, I mean, gotta I got to go work my part time shift at Trader Joe's. Yeah, I, I mean, got just bag. I got to. Yeah, I got to stock the gourmet pico de gallo. You know, I got to I'm, I'm in the deli. I'm, I'm serving up sushi. I got to I got to get over there. It's fall. I mean, We're it, getting all of our maple stuff. I got to go yeah, stock we, shelves. Listen, and it, it, the cover. See, what do you mean? I'm not. What do you? Th I'm seeing somebody else. Here's my goddamn paycheck from Trader Joe's. 
I just, I thought it was great. I'll I'll link that on our. I do love that. Guys. I do I do love the fact that there is like a large corporation out there that is just like a, a grocery chain where people are just getting their fuck on. Like it's just that's just part <laughs> of what they're doing. This is like people are like, oh, you got to pay those Trader Joe's people more money, and all the Trader Joe's employees are like, don't worry about us. Yeah, we're getting paid uh, fringe benefits. Yeah, we're just we're all just fucking each other. In the frozen yeah. food section after dark. Ooh, Trader Jose's. That's what we're going to do. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Chuck Tingle. He has a new book coming out here, Travis. It's his first traditionally published novel. It's a horror novel. It's called Camp Damascus. It's available wherever you guys get books. Stick around. We'll be right back. Why is that a command? If we were in English class, they would say that was a command. Here's the command all across the land. Travi P. Pants wants you to take a stand. Pee your pants loud. Pee your pants proud. Pee your pants as much as your pants will allow. Pee your pants. 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 Time to pee your motherfucking pants, bitch. Your pants need more pee. That's how it's got to be. Pee your pants. Your pants need more pee. Your mama, she agree. Pee your pants. Travy pee pants, I'm rocking all night long. Pee your pants. And if you don't fuck with Travi, you're just fucking wrong. Most of the books seem to be written by the same author, Chuck Tingle. Clicking onto his profile reveals so much more than just Bigfoot erotica. In fact, some of the titles alone were enough to grab my attention. I'm gay for my living billionaire jet plane, pounded by my handsome ghost boats, slammed in the butt by the concept of time. Monday pounds me in the butt. Pounded in the butt by the handsome manifestation of my Twitch stream. Pounded in the butt by my own butt. Pounded by the pound. Or his most infamous book, not pounded by anything. Six platonic tales of non-sexual encounters. There is an insane amount of work from Chuck Tingle from just under 10 years. A new book seems to be coming out every month or so, which really made me start to question, who really is Chuck Tingle? Dubfod goes hard. Once again, 
WFOD. Wheelbarrow full of dicks. Guys, welcome back. Our guest tonight is a two-time Hugo Award-nominated USA Today best-selling novelist. His latest is a horror book called Camp Damascus, available now wherever you get books. Chuck Tingle is on the program. Okay. Hi, Chuck. Hi, is sound coming through? Yep. Let me see if I can get this dang video going. Uh, Let's see. We don't use the video for anything, so if you'd be more comfortable not being on video that's fine I... okay here i am no that's okay okay <laughs> how you doing chuck i'm doing dang good thank you for having me thank you for doing it uh, you just got back from a book tour right oh my gosh yes yeah it's oh dang it's good to be back home it feels feels wonderful but um yes i i, I am uh, i've entered relaxation mode is that required from your publisher that you do all that? I know you probably like doing it to promote. I prefer it. I like, um, well, I just like, uh, uh, you know, so much of what I do is about spreading joy and making connections. Uh, and so uh, being able to um, actually talk to the buckaroos and, and see how much uh, uh, all this means to them is kind of almost the whole dang point, really. So I think... Um, I want to tour even more than my dang publisher probably wants me to. I I could just keep going. Do you want to do things other than promote books? Like uh, just do like Q&As and stuff like that? Because I think that would be great. Yes, I I think so too. I am, you know, this book tour ended up being a a little more than Q&A. I think everybody expects some author talks, author readings to go a certain way. And this was a... Pretty dang different. I gave a slideshow, got everybody pretty riled up. Uh, it's kind of more like a dang, uh, just a show in general. And I have done those um, kind of booking theaters on my own without a book to promote and yeah. just um, kind of going out and doing shows. So um, I would say very different from your standard book tour, actually. Um, a lot more energy, which is why I'm so excited to rest right now, because um, it's like dang playing a dang sporting event or something. I, I'm 
I'm running around. Uh, it's it's a whole dang thing. So I, I feel like I need some time to rest my dang bones. Chuck, I'm new to the Tingleverse. Uh, I recently found out about you and, and dove in, and I've learned that it's hard to prepare as a person who likes to be prepared for interviews. It's hard to prepare to talk to you because I don't know what's what's real, you know. Oh yes, that's that's <laughs> a that's a, a funny uh, hurdle to put up. Yes, right. there's a lot of. Um, but I, I will say, I commend you for trying. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's very, uh, very kind. Yes. Um, well, I would say, uh, you know, a lot of putting on this dang pink bag, uh, and creating this space for myself to express myself yeah. has been a, a journey on my own of how much kind of finding my own identity, getting in touch with uh, parts of myself. I'm on an autism spectrum, so I'm kind of uh, uh, creating a space. I, I, I neurotypically mask um, pretty dang well. You would, you would probably not know how much I was masking, uh, but um, uh, it started to affect my life in a pretty negative way, all that masking. Um, Clenching tight, literally clenching my muscles tight. I was in chronic pain, going to the dang hospital um, all the dang time to the emergency room. And um, I kind of realized, uh, I guess not to talk on it too d- yeah. long, um, but that uh, that uh, I needed a space to uh, not mess neurotypically. And ironically, sometimes you can tell more about yourself and express yourself uh, when you put on a physical mask then you can mask less, uh, I guess, emotionally. Uh, I, I don't I don't know what that term means. Can you, you said neuromasking. So does that mean like um, putting on a facade? Is that? Yes. So um, uh, any kind of neurodivergent uh, buckaroo, uh, uh, and for me specifically autism spectrum, I was okay. diagnosed uh, as Asperger's back. It was so long ago they've changed what it's called. Now it's just autism spectrum. Yeah. Um, but uh, part of that, you know, it's a spectrum, so there's, it's kind of hard to talk on. I don't want to speak for other buckets. Right, right. But part of that, that part of that for me is um, um, having to seem neurotypical, which is kind of just another way of saying um, a more standard mental state. Okay. Uh, to to uh, to blend in with kind of society at large. When I go out to the dang uh, yeah. bookstore, let's just say. Um, that takes a lot of physical energy, um, and my muscles were so clenched tight that um, I, I, I was just in chronic pain. I, I, I thought I would have to live off painkillers my whole life. So I put on this um, this mask, this pink mask, and it allows me a space to kind of just um, express myself artistically, sure. get at some of some of my uh, things deeper uh with uh regards to my own sexuality uh exploring kind of different ideas in in a freeing way and my pain started to go away so um that is kind of part of the origin of this and then when it comes to what about what i say uh that can be believed or not believed yeah um i i, I can say um that story is a hundred percent true but i would say um all of it is true in its own way the example i like to give is if i post online oh i pet a cat today um <laughs> I, I might have pet a dog 
if that makes sense. It's not a, it's, it's, it's kind not of hidden completely like fiction. It's a little yes. bit fiction. It's yeah. enough to kind of protect, protect my privacy. And also all of this is art in its own way. So some of, some things may be um, a metaphor for something else. Um, I will say uh, there are things about even, you know, my birthplace or where I was, where I was born or different things that um, more equate to the fact that um, my birth has pretty mysterious circumstances that I started to go into it might make me easier to find. And I do want to protect my privacy. So it's kind of like that. I can tell stories that might be an allegory or a metaphor, but they are all true as true as I can make them. And part of this process, like touring, is to try to strip away right. as many layers as I'm comfortable with to kind of get to the most authentic version of myself, hopefully. Are you just one person? Oh, yes. Yes. So Chuck, well, Chuck Tingle, the idea of Chuck Tingle isn't like a, a bunch of people making no, art I, under I one name. Part right? of no, I think part of the reason that buckaroos uh, tend to sometimes think that is because my output is so large. I, I've written, you know, I'm closing in on 400 yeah. shorts. Put out a lot of books, Chuck. Yes, and in, in combination with that, uh, you know, and now I have my uh, traditional published books, which are novel length. Um, I'm doing those at the same time. So I think a lot uh, of buckaroos might see that and think, well, it's impossible for one person to do this, but I'd say never underestimate the artistic hyper-focus. Um, uh, my way on the spectrum has actually kind of been a blessing for me. Uh, there's a way with autism called um, hyper-focus. Generally, that applies to um, uh, hobbies yeah. or different things that you kind of want to learn, learn a lot about. Um, for me, it is writing. You know, it only takes me about, uh, it takes a day for me to write a, write a dang book. Uh, they are shorts that my self-publishing is, but they're still, that's a lot of dang words. Are you, a, are um, you a morning writer or are you an evening writer? Morning writer when I can be. I like writing in the morning more, but you know, sometimes some days you wake up and it just doesn't happen. I think that's important for creative buckaroos to, to always remember. Um, you know, you can try to keep a schedule, but we're all human beings here. And sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't work. But in general, my preference is to write first thing uh, and, and have, a, have my evenings free to trot around and, and, and uh, experience the life that we all need to then go back and create some more. So you don't have like set writing hours. It's just kind of whenever inspiration no. you, you go sit down. I, I wish my, my set writing hours are just uh, uh once i'm done with my morning routine if i can write if my brain is right for it then i'll i'll do it and you know when we can get distracted sometimes but yes that is my my goal i i do i i really like to write i know most uh non-writers think in pages not yeah. word count but um i do like to write about three to four thousand words a day which is pretty dang high i think um but I shouldn't speak for other. I would say that the most prolific writers out there uh, generally come in around two thousand a day, and I, I normally do three to four thousand. This new one. This is your first book that you went the traditional publishing route, right? Yes, yes. And how did that come up? Did you want to do that, or were you approached to do that? 
Oh, no, you know, it's pretty dang funny. Um, there's a lot of reasons I did. One is because I think, you know, I believe in my message. I think it resonates. So I do want to get as many, you know, talk to as many buckaroos as I can and um, spread, spread my work as far as possible. I also don't particularly like um, Amazon's uh, uh, choices politically in a lot of ways and a lot of their workers' rights issues. So my self publishing has to be on Amazon because they have a dang stranglehold on, right, on self-publishing. Yeah. So um, I, I was really thinking about traditional publishing because I thought, well, I can get to more buckaroos and I can not only be on Amazon, I can be in independent bookstores. So that that was kind of important for me. Um, and what I did is I, I wrote the book and then I posted a dang tweet. And I said, I have a, a horror novel written. Does anyone want to put it out? <laughs> And then, uh, and then Nick Millen said yes, which sounds like a dream story. That's yeah. the short. That's the short, fun version. The long version is, you know, uh, actually, I self-published for about eight years, uh, built a huge social media following, and then tweeted, right. "Does anyone want to yeah. put out my book?" So there's, depending on the how much uh, you want to get silly with it, there are two versions of that story. <laughs> But it is true. I just did tweet. I have a book. Would you like to publish it? And that, that's how it went. So was there a reason that this particular book was the one that you wanted to go that route? Did, did you, were you particularly <laughs> proud of it or? That's a good question. I think, um, well, I had a, a, a novella uh, called Straight. That is also a horror novella. And I kind of had the idea to do it. I do love horror, and um, I did that because it's a novella, so it's shorter, to kind of test the waters and see how it would resonate, see if I could make the points I wanted to make. And it did very well. It was long-listed for Stoker Award, which is kind of a horror uh, literary award, the horror literary award, basically. Uh, And so it got a bunch of recognition and sold very well, so I thought, okay, um, my art will be accepted in this in this field. So I think after that, uh, then I thought, well, the next one, let's see if we can create a whole secondary thing to my self-publishing. Did you, well, I, I guess, you know, you, you don't want to uh, have, have your, uh, I, I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. You're, you're kind of, you're known for a certain thing. I guess. Yes. And yes. so now you're branching off and doing horror and, and other things. Did you think maybe you wanted to create another persona to do other things? Oh, like, like, a, like Chris Gaines, you know, like, <laughs> you know. Uh, yes, yes. Here's the thing. There's a pretty big crossover first genre wise sure. for uh, for romance and horror have a lot of similarities actually uh, and also the main thing you know I am a very um, message based writer I ta- tackle a lot of queer issues in yeah. kind of unique ways so I knew that I still wanted to tackle queer issues uh, and so there's a through line there um, whether or not I would be accepted in a new in a new genre with a preconceived uh, pen name Kind of didn't matter to me, uh, right. just because you know. I think I think the the difference is is that um, uh, as surprising it may be, um, Chuck Tingle is not uh, a character. I wouldn't define it as. I think maybe some backers could, but for me, it's not. It's not like um, 
it's not like this is some sort of uh, an idea that I could have ten of, right? Uh, with you know, um, this is um, an, an, the most raw and accurate uh, portrayal of an inner part of myself, well, and there's not mul- multiple of those. The, the way that sense. you described it earlier, it seems like this is your way of not playing a character. Yeah. Yes. That- I, well. Um, yeah, in some ways, I guess I would say that, um, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into things, <laughs> old Sigmund Freud, but because he had a lot of being, uh, uh, silly ideas, uh, but some of them, a good way to frame it is um, uh, Sigmund Freud talked a lot about um, the superego, the ego, and the id. Um, the ego is your core self, superego is sort of your disciplinarian. And uh, telling you, hey, you got to get up and go on that job today. Or yeah. you shouldn't uh, drink alcohol today or any of those dating things. Uh, and then you also have your id, which is sort of your uh, childlike self uh, or your animalistic self or the, the one that wants to go out and, uh, and uh, not go on the jog and, and eat the dang ice cream. Right. Uh, and so my super ego, uh, not I won't say because of my autism, but uh, kind of related to the way that my autistic way expresses itself very logically. Um, very Everything has to be in order. Or I start to kind of clench up. Um, this, I would say, is just as much myself, but more of an expression of my id, which never gets a chance to go out and play. Uh, so I guess I would say, uh, to answer your question, we only have one super ego, ego and id, there's not more in there uh, as far as that expression that I need. Right. So um, I would say that neither of them is a character. Me with the mask or without it, uh, you could kind of define that way. They're just some um, different parts of myself that that this allows me to have a healthy balance with. If that makes sense, I think it does. Yes. Yes. So that's okay. It took years of therapy for to even make sense to all me. So a, a one, a couple of sentences is is just the you know it's all we can get to now. But we're, we're doing our best. In the book, the the main character uh, vomits bugs onto her spaghetti. Yes. How do you come up with? Do you have that in your head? Does do you see that and then? want to put it in oh. something or like when you sit down, do you kind of know where it's going or does it just kind of stream through? Um, my process is actually pretty dang unique. Um, uh, well, first of all, a lot of my influences are film rather than books. So I tend right. to see things pretty cinematically and in images. I got in that. Re- reading, yes. Yeah. The- yes. So I think of set pieces like that, but I also, my, my, my process is, um, you know, for a novel, uh, well, for my erotica shorts, if an idea comes out, you know, these are small stories, yeah. pretty simple plot. I, I think of what's my point of view on this? What do I want to say about this current event or something like that? And then I uh, write it up and it comes out. For novels, I'm, I'm pretty meticulous with my, my planning, but I do it all in my head. I take morning trots up the hill, yeah. uh, do a little hike, come back down. And generally, that is my... Uh, my thinking time and a lot of that is spent coming up with the plot right. of the novel following the story beats not writing anything down i do that for about a month uh, until i kind of massage it into a story that if i sat down with you by a campfire i could tell it from beginning to end okay and once it's once it's at that, that point in my mind it's actually probably two or three months actually 
once I know this story, like the back of my dang hand, and I can tell it to myself, then I sit down and I write, uh, I write the whole thing straight out because I've already massaged it out in my head. And then, uh, uh, that only takes about a month. Do you, I just, I write a whole novel in a do month. Do you take a bunch of notes to remember all of this stuff or do you I, text it to yourself? Not, not, you know, I use my dang phone notepad uh, yeah. more for, Tingler ideas, which yeah. are my erotic assurance. That's like uh, if I overhear someone say something or some idea that's very um, – like one of those things that we all th- kind of think or have heard a million times but um, is a clever thing or I think, oh, that's an interesting take on that. Yeah. I will write those in my phone. So mostly huh. it's erotic ideas. And when it comes to the novels, um, you know, those show just staying in my head. You, you said that you think cinematically – has Hollywood come calling to you yet? Do, does Hollywood want some of the tingle juice? Well, you, you know, like a, a while ago, here's another, man, I'm, I'm going to, I feel like I'm already blowing minds here with the <laughs> not, not being a character or anything. Yeah. But another thing that's going to blow minds is, um, is I don't really think of what I do as, as comedy. I think it's pretty funny uh, because I can lean into things, but the goal is not humor really uh and you can understand why other people think it's funny oh absolutely yeah. yes i i am i am uh i am, not only can i understand it i'm fine with it because a lot of my goal is to just bring joy right. joy and humor are so interrelated sure uh and also like i said i can kind of lean into the humor i i can write that and think uh wow a lot of buckers are gonna laugh at this so I can kind of lean into that, but just humor is not my goal. And previously, there have been a couple of shows for networks I probably can't name that. There, there was talk of a Tingleverse uh, show, some different things like that. But um, I, they were always pushing me, kind of whether consciously or not, towards comedy. Yeah, which um, I just is not. I just don't really like to write with the intent of making uh, uh, Barker's laugh as a side quest. If they laugh, that's great. It's wonderful. But I feel like I was just being approached with a lot of comedy ideas. Now that I'm doing um, horror more, I think uh, something with horror would be better. And also I will say Camp Damascus, which I can't remember if we mentioned that's the name of the book, but Camp Damascus, uh, uh, my first traditionally published horror novel, uh, is uh, it's selling well enough that I think um, I think an offer uh, for the rights to it is certainly on the table, um, uh, just because it is doing well and it's resonating with our buckers. And we've had this talk, these talks with comedy, so horror is not that far off. I think that because the writer strike is happening right now, a lot of that stuff is kind of just it's yeah. we're just kind of waiting on that. I you just sent out a tweet, right? You say, "Hey, I want Camp Damascus to be a movie." And- There's the that's the dang move, isn't it? When the writer's strike is over, I, I'm going right there. Although, yeah, I will say uh, Twitter uh, is not what it used to be. It's not even called Twitter anymore. So, the, Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, it's X now. You send out an X. Yes. I, I don't even – that doesn't even make I don't, dang sense. Yeah. I don't understand it at all. But, yes, I, I don't know. And also, as someone who, who was on Twitter a lot, uh, the activity there has just – plummeted um I, I i all the platforms are kind of uh right spread out now so i don't even know where i'd post that now i'll post on dang tumblr <laughs> see what happens it's t- we'll see how that goes man i i don't know what is tumblr still a thing 
Can you still you get know on what? Tumblr? A couple of months ago, I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, remember doing Tumblr? And then um, when Twitter started going downhill, I made a Tumblr account. Yeah. And now, now it's probably my favorite platform. It, huh. It's it, it's it's wonderful. I thought exactly the same thing. I thought, oh, that's kind of silly Tumblr. And then now that I actually use it, it it's probably my favorite one. I I got a Threads, Chuck, but I I, I don't get threads i i i don't really, post it on it I, I have one I've tr- but yes yeah. i've tried to as well uh, blue sky is working out for me pretty good so far um yeah threads is the only one that um, i kind of just uh you know when i'm i'm on so many dang platforms when i put out a dang book uh or even just have a thought it takes about an hour for me <laughs> to get through every dang platform we need, we need just uh, one I, thing that we can post to that'll just send it to everything. Send it yes. to all our things. By the time I get to threads, I just think I'm tired. I'm not going to open this one. Maybe that'll change, but that's the only one that I'm not as really consistent on, to be honest. Chuck, where should I send people? I, 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 do you want people to go to Amazon? Is there a better bookstore I can send people <laughs> to? or? You know, um, I think that wherever uh, wherever the those who want to check out Canton Damascus um, feel comfortable buying, I think just the experience of going into a bookstore, smelling the books, um, existing in that space is, I don't know why, it's so deeply important to me, even though I'm not even that big of a dang reader. But, um, you know, I would, I would trot into my own local bookstore. And they will have it. That's why I did this is that, um, you know, this is, it's Nightfire is my publisher, but they're a, a subsection of Macmillan, which is, you know, one of the big five and, yeah, and it, it is available in, in any bookstore. Uh, so I would just pick your favorite, but for me, I like trotting in and, and being in that space a little bit. I've, I've heard there's a, there's a thing going around that going into big bookstores makes you have to poop. Have you heard that? I have not, but I'm very curious. There's something about it, going into bookstores, the smell or something, that that makes you have to poop. Uh, I gosh, I wonder. Here, here my theory: um, very relaxing place. Maybe, yeah, and the, I think a lot of them have coffee shops in them, but I don't know if that. That is true. No, that's that's there's the coffee connection, and I right. think I think honestly, a lot of um, well, as I have learned with um. The stress making my my body clench and my uh, history with pain management and that I feel like a lot of that is just um your body kind of subconsciously believing there's a threat and I feel like bookstores are the most non threatening home quiet place That's I guess that true. in our dang library yeah, maybe there's no judgment in a bookstore you just kind of go in there and look at all the you covers just go in and can walk through and have your time. And what better way uh, to get to get yourself uh, on a regular schedule? Chuck, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I appreciate it. The book is it's called Camp Damascus. It's available everywhere. I, I've been enjoying reading the book, Chuck. It's my it's my first Chuck Tingle book. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying reading it a lot, man. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much, and thank you for for doing this. I mean, you know, I am creating and expressing. My, myself in in this way um i i just i appreciate what you are doing uh, creating a space to to discuss 
ideas, it is so dang meaningful and important um, to kind of, it's just, it's, I'm appreciating the uh, the wide breadth of, uh, of creative endeavors, uh, including um, then interviews and, and then radio and, and podcasts and, yeah. and kind of um, creating spaces for uh, other creative backers to share in, in conversation. And I, I appreciate it very deeply. I, I, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, hopefully we can do it again sometime when the next one comes out. Yes, Thanks, absolutely. Man. It was fun talking to you. Yes, okay, bye-bye. Take care. Chuck Tingle's uh, novel. It's a horror novel, Travis. It's uh, it's far like out. Yeah, it, he uh, the the protagonist uh, like goes home and is having dinner with her parents and like barfs up a bunch of flies on her spaghetti and they speculate on whether or not like she swallowed fly eggs and and now that's like a thing that I worry about. Like I don't it, think that's, I don't think that's something that could happen, right? Like, uh, you swallow fly eggs, and your stomach acids are going to eat those to bits. I don't know. <clears throat> it, it, it grossed me out, though, Travis, and I've been thinking about it a lot. So Chuck Tingle, his his horror novel has has done its its due diligence on me. It's stuck in your subconscious now. You're yeah. worried about throwing up flies uh, at dinner. Yeah, I don't like it. I uh, got this steak shack and all the flies, flies. Jervis, I have a pick of the week. Um, Tell th- me. There's a uh, show on uh, HBO right now. It's a three-part docu-series called Telemarketers. Yep. It's great. Piggy- piggybacking on your, uh, that was my pick of the week. <laughs> oh, it was? Yeah. <laughs> Telemarketers, have you been watching it? Yeah, I've, uh, uh, I've watched the first one and a half episodes, I believe, right? I watched one full. Are all three out right now? Yeah, the third one just dropped. So we watched one full episode, and I was intrigued. Uh, and we watched, like, we had enough time to watch the half of the second episode. So, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, it just seems like a, a bunch of people in a dead-end job, Travis. It reminded me of my time... Uh, working at the storage place, you know, just because like they ask you to use that shitty language that you don't really feel comfortable with. But I mean, it's your fucking job. And right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and, I do. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, so, I mean, I'm not comparing it to, you know, their thing because their thing's real, 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 real scummy. And mine was just sort of scummy. Right. But, like, I get it. You know what I mean? Well, and really, yeah, that's the thing. It's like the, the telemarketing position is pretty scummy. Uh, uh, and, and the show is very interesting. Like it is, it just kind of plays out as it starts. Like just some dudes that are like, hey, we work at this fucking bullshit place. <laughs> and let's fuck around. Hey, and this place starts, sucks, doesn't this it? This place sucks. <laughs> and then it starts to go deeper and deeper into what the place actually is. Yeah. Um, but it does start to play out like just like a like an office spacey like. Yeah, let's fuck around. This place is terrible. 
And yeah, like I, I can relate, like I've had jobs like that. And, and there's even, you know, when you work in the corporate realm, uh, there's some of that built into that too, where you're like putting on a face, uh, pretty much all the time while you're, where you're working your job. So I'm sure most people can relate to this. Uh, maybe not the exact same industry, but uh, I think everybody uh, listening to this right now will be able to identify with some of what's happening in telemarketers. Yeah, so it's it's three parts. It's low commitment telemarketers. It's on HBO Max. So that's yours, too. Yeah, that's also my pick of the week. Yep. Well, maybe I'll switch, Travis. I'll just make mine that slate article. That way okay. I can link it in the show. Travis, check out that Slate article. It reads like a romance novel. They use, they use like turgid and stuff. You know, they use all the words. Tumescent? <laughs> I think tumescent is in there. <laughs> good times. Good times. So, Love yeah, it. guys, we did it. Uh, check out Chuck's book. Uh, Chuck's book is great, Travis. Uh, yeah, you're tell a Chuck, horror you're, novel guy. I am a horror novel guy. I'll check it out. Tell yeah. Chuck you heard him on the old dub fod and uh, check out his book. And uh, yeah. 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 We did it. Uh-huh. We'll see you next week or later this week. I don't know what we're doing. You never know. Our release schedule is crazy. Listening to this installment of WFOD, our operation is 100% independent, so your support is appreciated. We don't advertise, so we rely on word of mouth to spread the gospel of the dub file. Please take a moment to tell a friend, share a link, leave a review, or any of the other things podcasts ask you to do. The music featured in this podcast is provided by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Get a hold of the show by phone at 636-487-HAND or email any of our names, Mike, Travis, or Drunk, at WFOMix.com. Special thanks, as always, to our Patreon sponsors, Benny Michaels, Jim Chadman, Brian Kranz, Liquid Lozenge, Valerie Carpenter, Jay Adson, and Rabbit Poundings. You can be a Patreon sponsor for as little as a dollar a month and get episodes before everyone else by signing up at Patreon.com slash our catalog can be found at WFODshow.com, or you can subscribe to our RSS feed on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or any podcast player. Check us out on social media at WFOD Show on Twitter or Instagram, or WFODix on Facebook or YouTube. We will return next week, but really, we're never gone.
拜。